Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin ve salatu ve selam ala abdillahi ve rasulih Nebiyina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in So inşaAllahu Teala we start in a brand new surah We up to surah al-ghashiyah And inşaAllahu uh, Teala and This is the first class that we've had back since the lockdown rules uh, somewhat ended So alhamdulillah we're able to have some attendance at the class as well inşaAllah so we reached Surat Al-Ghashiyah And we're going to start with The statement of Allah Azza wa Jal Hal ataka hadithul ghashiyah The word hal here The word uh, hal Hal generally in Arabic is a word That makes something into a question so, for example, you say, رَأَيْتَ زَيْدًا You saw Zayd. And that's a statement. And you say, هَلْ رَأَيْتَ زَيْدًا Did you see Zayd? And it takes a statement and turns it into a question. It takes a statement and it turns that statement into a question. But here, in these kind of in these kind of uh, statements that in the ayat like this hal ataka has it come to you has it come to you does this mean allah azza wa jalla is asking the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam have you received news hal ataka hadith have you received news of Al-Ghashiyah Or does it mean something else? Two opinions the scholars of Tafsir had One of the, Some of the scholars of Tafsir They said that Hal here It doesn't mean a question Its intended meaning is emphasis Any Qad Qad ataka hadithul Ghashiyah The news about Al-Ghashiyah Has certainly come to you And there are others who said Oh this is a question It's a question But uh, and it will become clear when we understand what Al-Ghashiyah is. Or we say that the ayat that come afterwards serve to answer the question. Hal ataka hadithul Ghashiyah? Has there come to you the news of Al-Ghashiyah? And then Allah Azza wa Jal answers the question of what Al-Ghashiyah is and the news that relates to Al-Ghashiyah. Okay, let's uh, start with a the question then, our own question. Does anyone have any idea what Al-Ghashiyah is? What's this word Al-Ghashiyah? Does it come elsewhere in the Quran? Have you heard of it? Or similar words before? Has there come to you the news of Al-Ghashiyah? Do we have any answers on YouTube? If I tell you what the word means in English, then maybe we can get a little bit closer. Uh, we already came across the word Yagsha. Which surah did we come across the word Yagsha in? وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى 
by the night when it covers. So yagsha generally means to cover something, to cover something or to encompass something also, and to completely cover, cover something. هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ Has there come to you the news of that which covers? One of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, that's correct. Okay, if it is one of the names of... Did you put that on the screen, yeah? If that's one of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, if that's one of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, or oh, that's one of the opinions the scholars of Tafsir had. Why did they call Yawm Al-Qiyamah? Or why did Allah Azza wa Jal call Yawm Al-Qiyamah Al-Ghashiyah? The thing which covers. What? There are lots of reasons. Lots of reasons. You have an idea? Ibn Kathir, he mentioned... من أسماء يوم القيامة قاله ابن عباس وقتادة وابن زيد It's from the names of يوم القيامة That was the opinion of ابن عباس and قتادة and ابن زيد Why though? That's very good. I like that answer. It's an excellent answer. No one will be absent. And it's going to cover everybody. Nobody will be accepted or will be absent or will be on the side it will like Ibn Kathir he said because it's going to cover the people and it's going to completely all of them and every one of them is going to be is going to be touched and covered and within this huge event that is Yawm Al-Qiyamah can you tell me some, some other names that Yawm Al-Qiyamah has? Names that you might have heard in the Qur'an. Simple ones or difficult ones? Al-Qiyamah. What does the word Qiyam mean? What does Qiyam though really mean? Qiyam, even in the Salah or the Iqamah. Or what's Qiyam? Qum. Ant Qum. Qum. Okay, so it means to stand up. Huh? So qiyama is the resurrection, yani when the people will stand up from the from their graves. And if the people were uh, were sleeping in their graves, yani, well, they were in, they were in the life of the barzakh. Who is it who resurrected us? From our place where we were, we were resting or we were lying. Who made us stand again from that place? And so it's called Al-Qiyamah, the day of resurrection. And it's called, what was it called in Surah Al-Fatiha? What does Allah call Yawm Al-Qiyamah in Surah Al-Fatiha? Everybody knows Surah Al-Fatiha, it's not a difficult question. Yawm Al-Deen. Yawm Al-Deen. A deen, we said, is, is the recompense. And you like everyone getting back what they, whoever has done good, getting the good that they have done. Whoever has done bad, getting the bad that they have done. Whoever's oppressed someone, the day when things will be made right. 
There are many names, many, and Juz Amma is full of names of Yom Al Qiyamah. Asakha, Atamatul Kubara, many names Yom Al Qiyamah has. But this one we're going to focus on here is Al Ghashiyah, Ibn Kathir, he mentioned because it covers everybody. It's an event that will completely encompass and cover everybody. In the English translation, they translate this, this particular word, Al-Ghashiyah, as the overwhelming event. It is something that will completely overwhelm the people. The scholars of Tafsir, though, they differed about what is meant by this word, Al-Ghashiyah. So the majority of them, the majority of them, they said it's one of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. But some of them, they said, it is the hellfire. And that one of the names of the hellfire is Al-Ghashiyah. Why do you think they said that one of the names of the hellfire? Because if we said Al-Ghashiyah is Yawm Al-Qiyamah, because nobody will, you know, nobody will be an exception. Everyone will be covered. Everyone will be involved in that event. It's going to cover everybody. Why would, I mean, not everybody will go to the fire. So why, will, why would the hellfire be called Al-Ghashiyah? It's the opinion of Muhammad ibn Ka'ab, Qurabi, Sa'id ibn Jubair, Rahimallahu al-Jami'ah. Why would they call the hellfire Al-Ghashiyah? Okay, that's a good answer. وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Every one of you will walk over it. That's a good attempt. That's a good answer. But that's not the reason they gave. That's not the evidence they gave. But it's a very good, good try. وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Every one of you is going to walk over it. So it will not like, it will, everyone. But the, if we say that the basic word meaning of غَاشِيَةِ is the thing that covers, covers up or covers over something. So why would the fire be called Al-Ghashiyah. Okay, it's to do with the punishment. I agree, it's to do with the punishment. You can put that on the screen. It's to do with the punishment, but what to do with the punishment? We've also covered this in some of the tafsir classes as well. Mu'sada, excellent. I really like that. Innaha alayhim mu'sada. It's closed over them. It covers them from every, from every side. That's one. But Allah Azza wa actually used the same word to describe the hellfire. And that's why some of the scholars of tafsir, they said that Al-Ghashiyah is the hellfire because Allah Azza wa said, وَتَغْشَى وُجُوهَهُمُ النَّارِ Their faces will be covered by the fire. In Surah Ibrahim. So they took this ayah from Surah Ibrahim. Look at, subhanAllah, it's amazing. Whenever you see this, I, I, to be honest, I think it's amazing. That whenever you see the opinions of the scholars of tafsir, you see that they don't take this tafsir just like this. You know, or I think it's the hellfire because this is the language or this is what the word means or it might be like this. Everything has evidence for it. They said Allah used the word taghsha for the fire yawm al-qiyamah. So if Allah said about the fire, تغشى, then the fire is غاشية. That's 
the way the language works. If Allah said, then the word, the fire itself is ghashia and it covers the people within it. It covers the people within it and it covers their faces. That's how Allah describes that it covers their, it covers their faces. There is another opinion. There's another opinion, and that is uh, that is that the meaning of al-ghashiyah are the people in the fire. They are the people in the fire. Now, this one is a little bit more difficult to understand the reasoning behind it. But broadly speaking, it's because Allah Azza wa Jal, the next ayah, what did Allah say? هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ الْغَاشِيَةِ وُجُوهٍ يَوْمَئِذٍ خَاشِيَةِ And Allah described the people who will be punished. So they said that al-ghashiyah here is the people in the fire. And they said, they, they used it, they said that the people... They cover the fire, yani perhaps from the number of them, the large number of them. It's like they cover, they cover the fire. In any case, the majority of the scholars of tafsir, they took the opinion of the first one, that Al-Ghashiyah is one of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Ibn Jarir, rahimullah ta'ala, he mentioned both the first and the second opinion and he said, that both of these are true. That Al-Ghashiyah is a name of Yawm Al-Qiyamah and Al-Ghashiyah is also the name of the hellfire. Because Allah said about the hellfire that it will cover the faces of those who are in it and Yawm Al-Qiyamah will cover everyone. And everyone will be a part of that event and the events that take place Yawm Al-Qiyamah. There's quite a bit of uh, discussion about the order of the ayat here. But I'm going to delay that slightly and come back to it because we need to cover a few ayat and then we need to come back and try to understand about the order. Because there's a little bit of a discussion about Allah which begins by talking about this ghashiyah. Either it's the day of judgment or either it's the hellfire. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the faces, some faces on that day. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَجُوهُ يَوْمَ إِذٍ خَاشِعًا There's some discussion about these four ayat and which situation happens when. And is it before they enter the fire or is it after they enter the fire? And so on. But for now, we'll go on to the next ayah. وَجُوهُ يَوْمَ إِذٍ خَاشِعًا Faces on that day will be khashi'ah. Now, khashi'ah, it comes from the word khushu'ah, right? Or it's related to the word khushu'ah, having khushu'ah. But this word can be used in a positive sense and it can be used in a negative sense. The essence of the word khushu'ah is to humble yourself or to be humbled. 
in a good sense, it can be used like the statement of Allah The believers are successful, those who have khushu' in their prayer. They humble themselves, they're fearful, they have humility, they lower themselves before Allah. But here the khushu' which is mentioned, the khushu' which is mentioned here is not positive. Khashi'ah here is negative, it means humiliated, dalil, Allah has humiliated them. And the, that is clear from the next ayah, amilatun nasiba, that they are working hard yet exhausted with disgrace. And they are exhausted. They haven't achieved anything from their work. They're working but they've achieved nothing from it. So the khashi'ah here, it doesn't mean in a positive sense. It doesn't mean that they were fearful of Allah or they were humble before Allah. It means that Allah Azza disgraced them and humiliated them. Wujuhun yawma'idin khashi'ah. Faces on that day will be khashi'ah, meaning dhalila. That's what Ibn Kathir he said. He said, qalahu qatada wa qal ibn Abbas takhsha wa la yanfa'uha Amaluha. Ibn Abbas, he said, they will have this humiliation, but their action will not benefit them anything. Yani this humility they will have on that day will not benefit them. And whatever they're doing on that day to get out of what they're in, it will not benefit them on that day. And it seems like Ibn Abbas, عن, he took that meaning from the next ayah, Amilatun. Because as we said, the word khashi'ah could be used in a positive way, it could be used also in a, in a negative way. But here it's clear that the meaning is negative, especially when we take the context of the three ayat. هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ الْغَاشِيَةِ وُجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَامِلَةٌ نَاصِبًا So khushu' the meaning is التذلل, to be lowered, الخضوع, to be humble, الانكسار, to be broken. So now the question starts to come. Amilatun nasiba. Amila means working, right? Still referring to these faces, wujuhun. Amila means that they are working. From al amal, they're doing work. Amilatun nasiba. Nasiba means that they are weary, they're tired, exhausted. And then Allah Azawajal said, Tasla naran hamia. They will enter in a intensely or in an intensely hot fire. So now we come to this big discussion in these ayat because there's a discussion about the order of the ayat. In other words, when are the ayahs, what, what is the time being referred to in each ayah? That's the question. So it seems that Ibn Kathir, what he mentions here, and it seems that uh, this is, and it's possible to understand from what Ibn Abbas said, that this is referring to the dunya, that wujuhun yawma'idhin khashi'ah, Faces on that day 
will be humiliated. In some of the scholars, they said, yani in the dunya, they were working in the dunya, they were striving and struggling for what they were trying to get, whatever they were working for, they were working for it. They became weary and exhausted and they tried. The outcome of those people is they're going to enter into a burning fire, an intensely hot fire. Others, they said, uh, others, they said, that this is their description in the hereafter. That this is their description in the hereafter. So it's almost like, depending on the time frame you understand from the ayah, the understanding of the words can also change. So even the word khashi'ah could be seen to mean the khushu'ah that we know. Like the khushu'ah we know in the salah. Like, they were, like the munafiqun, for example. They were demonstrating khushu'ah. Working hard, striving for what they were with. But the end result is they go to the fire. And it's said that this doesn't refer to the munafiqun, but it refers to the Nasara, the Christians. Has anyone got any idea why some of the scholars of tafsir, they applied this to the Christians? Particularly, Amilatun Nasiba. Why though, lots of, for example, the mushrikun of the Arabs associate many partners with Allah. For sure, the Christians, you're right, the Christians associate partners with Allah. But why did they say that these ayat, what did they understand from the word khushu' and the word amila, nasiba? Hundred percent. This is why they said it. Completely correct. They said the Christians. You see from them khushu'ah, khushu'ah. You see some of them from the monks and the people like they had khushu'ah, like they w- would cry. They would genuinely, you know, really genuinely strive and struggle for what they believe to be right. hamiyah. The end result is they will burn in fire, even though they would. Strive and struggle and work and make efforts and they would be, you know, their hearts would tremble at the thought of God. But it didn't benefit them anything. And that's why, and this, whoever said these are the Nasara, this is an example. It's not like a, it's not a, that the ayah was revealed about the Christians, but that the Christians are one example of this. And in the dunya, those people who said that the ayah, refers to the dunya. They're an example of a people like this. It's a better example than the example of the munafiqeen because the munafiqeen really didn't have khushu'a. Not when you look at them, like Allah Azza wa Jalla When they stood to pray, they were lazy. They only remember Allah a little bit. But the Christians you see from them, those who spent their whole life 
They gave up marriage, they gave up a family, they locked themselves in the monastery just to remember Allah in the morning and the evening. What's the result? They enter into an intensely hot fire. So their amal, their hard work, and this nasiba, the nasab, the hard, the striving and the hard work they did, it didn't benefit them anything. The people who are the worst in loss, the greatest losers, the people who strive, they, 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 they had sa'i, they made efforts in this world, but their efforts, all of it ended in loss. It was just efforts in the world while they thought they were doing the best of deeds. So to say it's the Christians is not... The ayah was not revealed to say that this is an ayah about the Christians. But they are an example. And even this shows you that among the people who worship other than Allah, you might see from them khushu'ah. You might see from them that they really genuinely and sincerely believe in what they are doing. It's not the case that all of them are just uh, cynical and all of them are just lying. and all. Some of them really genuinely believe what, they, what they're following and they genuinely make efforts for it. They make huge sacrifices for their religion. But what's the end result? And that, wallahi, is the effect of al-jahl, of ignorance. That's what ignorance does to you. The end result of ignorance is you waste your efforts. You waste all your efforts. All those things you're doing Go away, right? You know, you're making striving so hard, working so hard, but all of it was the end result. Tasla naran hamia, because you didn't have ilm, you didn't have knowledge, you didn't know what was right and what was wrong. Uh, you said they remembered Allah, they don't believe in Allah, Christians. Yeah, they do. They do. They believe in Allah, Azawajal. They believe in Allah. They have a very, very confused belief of what that means, but if you were to meet an Arab Christian, and you were to ask them what is God's name, they would say Allah. Likewise, Arabic-speaking Jews, if you ask them who is God, they say Allah. But the thing is, even the mushrikeen from the mushrikeen of the Arabs, they used to believe that their true, the true God was Allah. And they used to even pronounce this in the, in the Hajj. They used to say, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَبَّيْكَ لَبَّيْكَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَكَ لَبَّيْكَ إِلَّا شَرِيكًا هُوَ لَكَ تَمْلِكُهُ وَمَا مَلَكَ they used to say that, oh Allah, we answer your call, Allah, we answer your call. You've got no partner except the partner that you have. You have the dominion over them and they have nothing. And this is the belief of the mushrikeen of the Arabs. So a lot of people, one way or another, have a basic belief in Allah, but it doesn't make them, it doesn't enter them into Islam because they didn't dedicate their worship to Allah alone. They didn't make their worship for Allah. They didn't make their religion for Allah alone. They made partners with Allah. They believed in uh, Tathlith, uh, this idea of Trinity, that there are three, that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so on. But even when they say that, they actually say Allah. I mean, they, they actually, some of them, when they express this, they say Allah and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Subhanallah. But look at what ignorance did to them. Ignorance, so many efforts, so much work but it doesn't bring you anything. So this is one. 
But it seems, and Allah knows best, it seems that uh, the meaning of this, and Allah knows best, it appears to me that it is related to the Akhirah. Based on the statement of Allah Khashia on that day, Al Ghashia, and if we say Al Ghashia refers to Yawm al Qiyamah or it refers to the Hellfire, on that day, their faces will be Khashia, faces will be humbled and humiliated. But then we have to ask ourselves a question. And we have to ask ourselves a question and say, what then is the meaning of Amilatun Nasiba? What's the meaning of the fact that they are working hard and they're weary? How do we, if we, we, we explain this now to be Yawm al Qiyamah, we said that the context of the ayat indicate that this is in Yawm al Qiyamah. Wujuhun Yawma Idin. Then how do we explain that this is in the That this is in the Akhirah First of all, it's not correct to say Those who said it's in the dunya Where did they really where, where did they, What did they rely upon To say that this is in the dunya Because the word What you understand from the ayah Is that this is in the Akhirah so where did they really get it from? To be honest, what they did is they looked at the word amila, And they said, the dunya is the place where you do things, where you work. The place of work and actions and deeds is the dunya. The akhirah is dar al-jaza. It's the place of getting rewarded or recompensed, punished or rewarded. But it's not the place of al-amal. It's not the place of doing things. But this in itself... Uh, needs to be qualified And you can't make that as a blanket statement Actually in Jannah there are A'mal But it's not a, they're not A'mal that you're going to get It's not what you get uh, It's not a place of a test Where you are rewarded Or you are punished based on your choices But there are actions And in Jannah There are acts of worship People remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They praise Allah azza wa jal they thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the hellfire there are actions. The people call out to the guardian of the hellfire. Make your Lord cause us to die. And Allah Azawajal talks about the actions Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Uh, and they will go between it and between a spring of boiling water. So there are actions, both Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and there are actions also in, the, in Jannah and in the fire. But they're not the kind of actions that are intended in the, in the dunya, where you have a choice to do something, and then you are given a recompense based on the choice that you make, based on the actions you did. So it's, when people say that the Akhirah is not a place of actions, they don't mean that there are no, you don't do anything in the Akhirah. They don't mean that you don't do anything in the Akhirah. But what they mean is that the dunya is a place where the intention, the purpose of the dunya is for you to perform actions that you will receive the reward of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. 
or for a person to, a person performs actions that they will be punished for yawm al-qiyamah so when they say that the dunya like you get some statements sometimes that this world is a place of action and no reward and that the akhirah is a place of reward and no action that's true but it doesn't mean absolutely like that does that make sense it doesn't it's not on a purely absolute level because in this world you can also be rewarded but the purpose of this world is not to be rewarded and the purpose of the akhirah is not for you to be tested by the actions that you that you do that's what's meant by it. otherwise there are actions uh, that take place yawm al-qiyamah there are actions that also take place uh, among the people of jannah uh, Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, he explained some of the actions that, are, that he believed to be intended by this amilatun nasiba, the actions they were doing. He said, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them to do these actions and caused them to become weary through doing them. Like uh, pulling their chain, the heavy chains along with them And they're wrapped in heavy chains And they drag these heavy chains along with them in the fire And like carrying the You know the the, 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 the What do you call them? The aglal, the fetters upon You know the things that bind them upon their necks And standing hufatun urat They're standing barefooted and unclothed, Yawm Al-Qiyamah Allah made them weary The sun came to the distance of a mile They were sweating And some of them were muzzled in their own sweat And Allah gave them actions And made them do them And made them weary through them So that's how Qatada He took the meaning of this ayah Relating to the Akhirah That the ayah relates to the Akhirah And the actions referred to Are the actions of Yawm Al-Qiyamah Or the actions of the people in the fire like carrying, dragging their chains, like carrying the weights upon their, upon their back, like uh, the things that happen on the day of judgment, running from prophet to prophet. These are things that Allah made them do and Allah made them weary through them. And that's why one of the clearest examples of this, when you see the, the, the hadith of the people running from prophet to prophet From Ulul Azmi min al-Rusul They go to Nuh, they go to Ibrahim, they go to Musa They go to Isa, and they go to Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alayhimu salatu wasalam They run from prophet to prophet And they say Ama tarama nahnu fi Don't you see what we are going through right now? But they are nasiba Really they are like They are, they are weary, they're exhausted, they're suffering Yawm al-Qiyamah And Allah Azza wa made them like that So even though it's not a place of deeds It's not a place where you're being tested For the purpose of what you're going to do right and wrong There are still huge actions and exhaustion that takes place Yawm al-Qiyamah And indeed it takes place among the people of the, of the fire So now the next question comes about the timing here If we said that it appears And Allah Azza wa knows best that the meaning here is that this takes place Yom Al-Qiyamah. When does it take place Yom Al-Qiyamah? Is it before they enter the fire? Or is it after they enter the fire? 
So here they differed in the people who said that it happens Yom Qiyamah, they differed among two groups. Some of them said it happens before the fire and some of them said that it happens after the fire. And this was the choice of Ibn Jarir and it was also the choice of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala wa rahimahullahu al-jami' that they said that this uh, takes place in the Akhirah. But then they said, some of them they said, Amilatun finnar nasibatun fiha. They said that they are doing actions in the fire that Allah made them do. And they are weary and exhausted in the fire. However, the context of the ayah appears, and Allah knows best, it appears that this refers to what will happen before the fire because after that Allah says Tasla naran hamia. after he mentions that they will be working hard and they will be exhausted and weary Allah mentions that they will then enter Tasla naran hamia. they will then enter a fire which is hamia. They will then enter a fire which is Hamia. Ibn Kathir, he said, Rahimullah ta'ala, Hamia, a haratun, or haratun, shadidatul har. He said that this will be a fire that is extremely hot. A fire that is extremely hot. Tusqa min aynin aniya. They will be given a drink from a spring. But this spring is not a spring that brings them any relief. And there is a... There's a principle in this. And this principle says that the punishments for the disbelievers, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they continue to get worse and worse. They get worse and worse and worse. And they never get better, they never get easier. So a person might think after they enter the fire and then Allah said, Tusqa min aynin. These faces that are khashia, that are humiliated, these faces that are weary and exhausted, these faces that have entered an intensely hot fire, Tusqa min aynin. They're going to be given from a spring. Perhaps this spring will bring them relief, but this spring is aniya. It is boiling to the point where it has reached the highest temperature that it can reach. It's a boiling spring. And it's boiling so much and it's so hot that it's reached the peak of burning them. Like they say, قَدْ بَلَغَتْ مِنَ الْحَرَارَةِ وَالْغَلَيَانِ الْغَايَةِ It reached the absolute peak of boiling and the peak of its temperature. Then Allah said, لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ إِلَّا مِنْ ضَرِيعٍ 
they will have no food except for dari'. Dari'a here uh, Ali ibn Abi Talha narrated from Ibn Abbas that he said Shajarun min nar from the trees that, that are from the hellfire. They're from the trees that are from the from the hellfire. But this tree, to be honest, is a tree that was known to the Arabs. This tree is a tree that was known to the Arabs. This Dari'a the people of Hijaz, the, the people uh, who Allah the Quran was revealed and they witnessed it, they knew this word, this word Dari'a. The word Dari'a is what they call a shibriq. And I did find the name of it, uh, I, I mean, the name of it as close as we can get in English. I'll get it for you. Uh, it's called rest harrows. But basically, it's a plant that when it becomes dry, it's just dry thorns. It's just a roll. You see it sometimes rolling around in the desert when, the, when there's a, a, a sandstorm. Like this plant that is very, very dry and it's just a collection of thorns. Just like very hard. It's very spiky and it has thorns on it. And this is what they, what they called al-dari'a. And they called it al-dari'a when it's dried out. And when it's not dried out and it's green, and it has some uh, flowers on it or some, uh, not flowers, leaves on it, some green on it, they called it a shibrik. And when it was in the summer and it just became dried thorns, just like a bundle of dried thorns, they called it dari'a. Now that doesn't mean that the dari'a that will be given to the people in the hellfire will be the same as the one that they knew. But Allah spoke to them with what they knew. Allah spoke to them with what they understood. So they know that this is a thorny, dry plant that would do nothing if you ate it except cut up, cut up your insides. But that which is in the hellfire is far worse than that which is in the dunya. So if the dari'a we know in this dunya is nothing but harm, then you take it, it's a dry... Uh, spiky thorns that would cut your mouth and cut your insides then how about the dari'a which is the plant from the hellfire then this is even it's even worse لا يسمن ولا يغني من جوع لا يسمن literally means that it doesn't لا يسمن it doesn't it doesn't make literally in a, in a literal sense it doesn't make you put on weight لا يسمن يعني it doesn't nourish you it doesn't nourish you it doesn't give you something that will benefit you ولا يغني من جوع and it will not save them from hunger. It will not benefit them against the hunger that they feel. 
So this punishment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes, the punishment in the beginning of Surah Al-Ghashiyah, is a series of punishments. First of all, Allah Azza wa Jal describes the Yawm Al-Qiyamah itself being Al-Ghashiyah. It's as though the terror of that day will cover everyone. Except the one that Allah has mercy upon. Then Allah Azza wa mentions the faces on that day that will be humiliated. And from the humiliation that they will suffer is that they will be amilatun nasibah. They will be working hard and striving and, and but they will be suffering from it and exhausted from it and weary from it. They will enter into a fire that is blazing hot. And then they will be given to drink from a spring that has reached the absolute peak of burning and boiling. Then for food, they will be given a dari'ah, which is a dry, thorny plant. La yusminu. It will not give them any benefit It will not give them any nourishment They won't eat it and take any good from it And it won't stop them from feeling hungry It's just a punishment On top of a punishment On top of a punishment Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala contrasts this With another group of people Faces on that day will be na'ima. They will be in a state of pleasure, in a state of na'im, in a state of blessings. Lisa'iha radiya. After the efforts they made, they will be satisfied with them. They'll be satisfied with the efforts they made. Now I just want you to think when you're listening to this description before we go into the detail of the tafsir. Look at how the ayat, each one of them contrasts what the other one said. A contrast before. So we saw wujuhun yawma'idhin khashia. Faces on that day will be disgraced. They will be lowered. They will be in a state of disgrace. There will be faces on that day that are in a state of pleasure. Working hard and suffering. The others, they've made efforts. But where were their efforts? Their efforts were in the dunya. And their efforts were pleasing to Allah. And they are pleased with their efforts. They are satisfied with what their efforts have given them. So they had to make an effort. It's not like there were some people who didn't do any effort, they didn't do anything. But the ones who made the effort at the time for it, in the way that Allah commanded them to do, those people saw the benefit of that effort. Yawm al-Qiyamah. They saw what came out of those efforts they made, Yawm al-Qiyamah. They made sa'i, they made efforts, they, they worked hard. But they worked hard in the dunya, and they worked hard with knowledge, with ilm. They knew what was right and wrong. They did what was right and they worked hard in it. And so, Yawm Al-Qiyamah li sa'iha radiya. As for those who tasla naran hamiya, they go to the intensely hot fire. What's the opposite? Fi jannatin aliya. 
they will be in a garden which is aliyah, which is high up. Aliyah here, it might mean aliyah in itself. It's actually high. The garden itself is, is physically high. And it can also mean aliyah to qadr, that it is high in status. It's high in status. It can be physically high, like it's elevated. The garden is elevated above other things. So it's above. And it can also mean, like Al-Firdaus, right? Al-Firdaus is A'la Al-Jannah, the highest part of, of Jannah. And it's Awsat Al-Jannah, the best part of Jannah. وَمِنْهُ تَفَجَّرُ أَنْهَارَ الْجَنَّةِ And the, the, the rivers of Jannah flow from it. So this could be one of the meanings of Aliya, that it's physically high above other places. And also that it's Aliya to Qadr, it has a high status. لا تسمع فيها لاغية. They will not hear in it any لاغية, any لغو, any false speech, unevil speech, any wasteful speech. You know, a لغو is every kind of speech that is worthless and and bad. Any kind of you know, any kind of like we call it music is لغو, swearing is لغو. You know, sort of bad, useless, worthless, sinful speech. They will not hear any laghiyah. What will they hear in Jannah? Illa qilan, salaman, salama. They will hear the salam, they will hear the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي And they will say, oh, praises to Allah, the أَوْرَثَنَا الْأَرْضِ The one who caused us to inherit the earth. We travel through paradise wherever we wish. How excellent is the work of those who they worked in the dunya. They worked for it in the dunya. And Allah said, In it there is a spring that is flowing. Notice what the first group got. They got a spring that is burning. The people of Jannah, they got a cool spring. But the word Ain here doesn't mean a spring. It doesn't mean one spring. Here I think, and Allah knows best, that both of the translations, the, the, the normal translations we use of the Quran, they didn't translate this well. The word Ain here, it doesn't mean one spring. But it means jins al-uyun, that the springs, there will be springs in Jannah, flowing, there will be flowing, flowing springs. Before we go any further, uh, I, I just read you those parts as a, you know, in terms of the contrast between the two. But I want to sort of go back onto some of the points uh, and take it a little bit slowly, because I just wanted you to read those so you get the idea of the contrast. And this always, it keeps on coming again and again in the Qur'an. This is a theme of the Qur'an, which is the contrast between the people of Jannah and the people of the fire. What will the people of the fire get? What will the people of Jannah get? And that's because a fundamental uh, style or a fundamental, even a, you can say from the sunan of Allah, the ways that Allah 
teaches us is through at-tarheeb or targheeb through making you fear and giving you encouragement and hope so the Quran is like this all the time between fear and hope it gives you ayat that tell you what will happen to the people on that day good and bad that gives you fear of being of those people who Allah describes and hope and encouragement to be from the other people that Allah describes and this is something that it is a, such a fundamental lesson in the Quran that so many of us, we miss it out, sadly. Which is the balance between fear and hope. And this is a big thing. You can take it from Surah Al-Ghashah, you can take it from many surahs of the Quran. That Allah balances between fear and hope. That there is the fear and Allah terrifies you with what is going to happen to the people of the fire. And Allah encourages you with what is going to happen to the people of Jannah. There are a hadith that if you listen to them, wallah, you will think that not one of you will ever see the fire. There are a hadith yani that, like the hadith of the person with the bitaqa, who has nothing but 99 scrolls of evil deeds. And he doesn't bring anything yawm qiyamah except a single piece of paper and written on it is la ilaha illallah. And he says, my lord, what is this going to do against that? 99 scrolls of evil deeds as far as the eye can see. Nothing, he has nothing that he did. Nothing good that is left for him except La ilaha illallah. And La ilaha illallah outweighs those 99 scrolls he goes to Jannah. When you listen to a hadith like this, you think that none of us will go to the fire. And there are a hadith, wallah, you listen to it and you will think that nobody will go to Jannah. That a person will do the actions of the people of Jannah until there is nothing between him and Jannah except the hand span, the length of an arm, the forearm. Then the decree of Allah will overtake him and he'll be from the people of the fire. You hear things that you think that ayat, like Allah said, Allah will only accept good deeds from the people who are people of taqwa who do everything that Allah commands and keep away from everything that Allah prohibits. Who can say they're from this pe- these people? You will subhanAllah hear ayat that, you will, that you will make you believe that you can be from the people of the fire and ayat that make you believe you can be from the people of Jannah. This is the usloob, this is the style or the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Qur'an. Through fear and hope, encouraging you to do good and threatening you and making you scared of punishment. So I just want to go back, I'm not going to take too much longer, but I just wanted to go back and clarify some of the points on the ayat that we were talking about. What does it mean, na'ima? The word na'ima comes from an na'im. Na'im is the opposite of adab, right? The opposite of punishment is na'im, to be in a state of pleasure, in a state of blessings. Like we talk about adab al-qabr wa na'im al-qabr. The punishment of the grave and the, the pleasure of the grave. So you have both, right? You have some people who go to their graves and they will be punished. And you have some people who go to their graves and they will have blessings and pleasures in their grave. So what... Why did Allah describe their faces as being na'ima, as having pleasure? 
Why did Allah describe their faces? Why not describe them? Why not say that they are people who are in Na'im? They are people of Na'im. Allah described the paradise as being Jannat and Na'im. Or Jannatu Na'im. The paradise of, of Na'im. Yeah, you, you, that's, that, that's, very, that's very close, definitely. That's one of the points. Their reaction in going when they find out to like when they are to give the they're given the book in their right hand and they say ha umukara'u kitabiyah come and read my book inni dhanantu anni mulaqin hisabiyah I was sure that I was going to meet my Lord in a wonderful life a pleasurable life fi jannatin aliyah in a lofty garden and so on that's one part of it why anyone else got any thoughts on why their faces are mentioned here. Yeah, that's similar to what, what the brother said. Like the, when they're told the reward of Jannah, you can see in their faces. But actually, this, this is mostly what I wanted. I just wanted to add one, one more point. Yes, go on. Yeah, comparing to the disbelievers, that's a very good point. So here, what it really means is that you will be able to see their, the pleasure on their faces Their faces will be a mark of the blessings You'll be able to see the blessings of Allah on their faces And that is Allah tells us that you'll be able The face will be like a sign of the person Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said يوم, uh, On a day when some faces will be bright And some faces will be dark it's The faces will be bright Bright because they've been Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the blessing. You'll see the, the na'im on their face. Their faces will become bright from the na'im on their face. And some of the faces, they will have a darkness on them. And that darkness on them will be because of their disbelief and their rejection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll be able to see in their face. What did Allah just say in Surah Al-Rahman? You will know the criminals by their signs. You look at them, you can, see the, you can see the state of those people in their faces. And the people of Jannah, you can see from their faces. The Prophet ﷺ told us about this ummah, that they will be resurrected يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That they will have Al-Ghur is a, it's a description of a horse When the horse has white marks on its face and its legs You, know, it has, you have a horse that is let's say um, Chestnut, is that a horse colour? Yeah, okay You have a horse that is chestnut And it has white marks on its face and on its legs This is what you call Aghar or Ghur and muhajjal, muhajjaleen. And they will be like that from the wudu, min athar al wudu, because of the wudu that they made. You will see on their faces the effects that they will have a brightness like the horse. When you have a horse that has white marks on its face, you will see the Muslims, the believers, have white marks on their faces from the effect of making wudu in the dunya. So you'll see on their faces, wujuhun yawma'idin na'imah. You see the na'im 
on their faces. لِسَعِيهَا رَاضِيَةً This happened. Why do you see the blessing on their faces? Because of the efforts they made in this dunya. And this is another thing that I want to emphasize. Want to emphasize, which is that a lot of a lot of people sometimes we become confused about certain things in Islam and what's required from us. But one thing you have to remember is that this dunya is a place you have to work hard. And no one should sit back and say, This is you know, this is what Allah decreed for me, and you know, what can I do? I'm in the situation I'm in. Allah has given you opportunities. Whatever situation you're in, Allah has given you an opportunity, but you have to work hard. You have to work hard for it. And you have to strive. Because your chance for working hard is now. Don't be from the people who have to work hard Yom Al-Qiyamah. Be from the people who work hard now. لِسَعِيهَا رَاضِيَةً Not from the people who are working hard in the fire. وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ عَامِلَةٌ نَاصِبَةً They're working hard in the hellfire. From the people who are working hard in this dunya so they can be from the people who are لِسَعِيهَا رَاضِيَةً They are pleased with what has, what they've put forward. لا تسمع فيها لاغية In Jannah, the meaning here is as we said اللاغية, the meaning is اللغو اللغو And there are some different opinions among the scholars of tafsir about how this works out But broadly speaking, the meaning is not The meaning doesn't really change There is a different qira'ah, there are some different uh, opinions regarding the ayah but the meaning doesn't really doesn't really change but one of the nice benefits you can take from this they will not hear any worthless speech is the effect that Allah has upon people in this dunya Look at the people of, of Jannah. What's, how are they described as it relates to Allah? Worthless speech. The music, swearing, bad language, you know, idle gossip, silly talk between people, foolish things. How are they described in the dunya and in the akhirah? The believers are described in the dunya. وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ when they pass by Allahu, when they pass by this worthless speech, Marru Kirama, they pass by with dignity. They don't get involved in it, they don't lend their ear, they shut their ear to it and they walk past quickly and with dignity and with honor. 
not getting themselves involved in it. So Allah Azza wa Jal, what reward did He give them? When they kept away from the lagu in this dunya, la tasma'u fiha, la They're not going to hear any lagu in Jannah. Any of this foolish, useless talk. And wallahi, there's a lot of lessons in this. For how, what, what does this useless talk do to you? It ruins your mind, you know, your, your, your mind, it has an effect on your, the way you feel. It, you know, it brings about alham, walgham, depression and, uh, you know, sadness and grief and worry and stress. And all this kind of, you know, vain and useless talk. Whereas remembering Allah Azza wa Jal, what does it bring? Brings about relaxation in your heart. Ala bidhikrillahi. It makes you feel relaxed, it makes you feel happy, it makes you feel at peace. And then Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it brings peace to you. So Allah, I think this is a, a very important point, to be honest, which is to do with the, the way that we should be in relation to this kind of stuff in the dunya. Don't get involved. Wallah, sitting around talking rubbish, like people just sitting, just talking Talking rubbish all the time, talking trash, sitting there just talking about things that don't benefit them, you know, not even in the dunya, let alone in the akhirah. And bad language and idle talk and gossip and swearing and music and all these kind of things that are just wasteful examples of a lagu. All of it, you want, just walk past with dignity, don't get yourself involved, don't even discuss it, don't even talk about it, don't be involved in it, just get out the way. And if you do that, لا تسمعوا فيها لا Be from the people who Allah will reward them يوم القيامة, that they won't hear any of that. They won't hear anything. Whereas what the people of the, the hellfire will hear from the screams of the people of the hellfire, from the crying out of the people of the hellfire, They'll hear the sounds of the hellfire burning around them. So you see, al-jaza'u min jins al-amal. You get rewarded in the same way as the thing that you did. So every time you leave something in this dunya for the sake of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a vast reward for it, yawm al-qiyamah. And no doubt, we, are, we as Muslims are people, we leave things, we have to leave things for Allah. There are many enjoyable things that people enjoy themselves with that we leave it for the sake of Allah. But don't ever think you left it for the sake of Allah, you missed out. Yawm al-qiyamah, you'll realize the reality of what happened to you when you left those things for Allah. And you'll see what Allah will give you in return for those things that you left for the sake of Allah. And not just in the akhirah, in the dunya, wallahi. You leave something for Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you in the dunya and the akhirah. But you see when you read a surah like Surah Al-Ghashiyah, you see really what will happen to the people. You see really the reality of the fact that the people who left something for Allah, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they're going to see the result of what they left for Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them. From the many things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in this surah, that He will give them from the blessings of Jannah. I think inshallah ta'ala will stop there after the questions. So that's long enough for the class inshallah. Generally we, we you know, try to keep it at a reasonable pace. But the only thing I'm thinking of is just 
that uh, we do want to finish as much as we can. Tafsir is a, a very, very big topic. And really, this is not something you should ever just do once. Like the aim is you finish this tafsir at this level and then you go further and deeper and into more details and you understand it more than you are now. But at least for now, we get a, a reasonable summary of the tafsir of the surah, a reasonable understanding of the meaning of the ayat. And then we move on from there, inshallah. So uh, if anyone has any questions, they're more than, will, more than welcome to ask. No, it's an excellent question And this is In reality Ibn al-Qayyim described it beautifully He said That the slave has to be like a bird With two wings The wings are fear and hope If, one, if the bird loses one wing It'll fall to the ground Likewise, if the bird is just flapping with one wing It's, gonna, it's not going to go straight If you want to fly straight You have to balance those two so the easiest way to explain how to balance them is to explain what, you, what the two extremes are and then you can see what the middle one looks like. So the two extremes, on one side, one of the extremes is a person has too much fear. And what you see from this person is despair. When we say too much fear, you know sometimes when people start practicing in their families, their families say to them, oh, you know, you're just practicing a bit too much. You need to just relax, calm down. That's not what is meant by too much fear. Too much fear, what's meant is the person starts to despair. They say, there's no forgiveness for me. Allah will not forgive me. I'm just going to, I know that I'm going to the fire. I've, I've resigned myself that I am from the people of the fire. There's no Jannah for me. I know this. That person has really taken on board a Characteristic of the disbelievers Because Allah said about the disbelievers Nobody despairs from help from Allah Except the disbelieving people It's the disbelievers who say There is no Jannah for me But as for the Muslim The Muslim should never reach a level of fear Where they say I do not think I'm ever going to go to Jannah Because that's a great injustice against Allah That you say that Allah will not forgive me and even if you say it about someone else, it's an injustice. Like the hadith <coughs> about a person who says, Wallahi, Allah will never forgive this person. And Allah says, who is it who said, I will never forgive this person? I have forgiven them and destroyed your deeds. Like we never ever feel that. On the other side, too much hope, the extreme is the person becomes relaxed, easygoing. You know, you hear people saying, Allah Kareem. Allah is going to forgive you. Why are you worrying? Why are you stressing about things? Allah will forgive you. You see the people doing every kind of sins, doing sins that, subhanAllah, you, if the Sahaba saw this, how would they behave? And like huge things people doing. And when they say, Akhi, just relax. I'll go to Hajj. When I'm older, I'm going to repent, inshallah. It's all right. It's fine. Allah will forgive me. Ghafoor Rahim. That's an extreme. So what the Muslim does is they try to keep themselves balanced. But sometimes in your life, even when you're trying to keep yourself balanced, you're going to see that you go too far on one side or the other. You see that you, to be honest, you're a bit too relaxed about things. And you see that 
yeah, I'm, you know, especially after you weren't practicing, you start practicing and then you become quite relaxed in it, like comfortable, like alhamdulillah, you know. You hear people come to the, come to the message and say, alhamdulillah, I'm, you know, alhamdulillah, we all, we all good Muslims, we're practicing. But wallah, you don't know that Allah even accepted one salah from you. You don't even know that Allah accepted anything from you at all. Perhaps Allah has never looked at anything that you did and never given you anything for even one thing that you did. You don't know. So you go like that, but then when you go like that, you sometimes start to think that, Wallah, what if there's not, what if I'm, what if I'm just doomed to the fire? And then you start, okay, now you have to come back again. So you stay between the two. But from the fiqh of a person, and this is wallahi min fiqh, min al-fiqh al-akbar really, it's from the greater fiqh, is you know your own heart. And you know if you feel yourself too much hope, you start to push yourself and remind yourself of the, of the fear of Allah and the fire. And when you see yourself to become like too, like a bit of despair or a bit of, you know, you start to panic and you even stop doing good deeds because of how much you're panicking over the bad things you've done, then this is also a time to increase in your hope. And really just by listening to the Quran and reading the hadith, you get both. And the ayat are, you know, ayat that make you feel like, like I said, this ayat, when you read them, wallah, you think that I, I do not know how I can be from the people of Jannah. That's Ibn Hazm, rahimahullah ta'ala. He wrote in one of his letters, if I'm not mistaken, he wrote about Surah Al-A'raf. This, the A'raf where the people's deeds are equal. They've got equal number of good deeds and equal number of bad deeds. And he said, for by Allah, I do not know how I can do enough good deeds to be from those people. To just be from the people that their good deeds and their bad deeds are equal. I don't know, how can I even be from those people? So you see that fear sometimes and it makes you think that, wow, if these people felt like that. Any imams of Islam, huge imams of Islam on their deathbed, they're crying that I don't know if I'm going to go to Jahannam. And someone comes to you and says, you know, like, as if you are guaranteed your place in Jannah. So you, you have to balance between the two and you have to just constantly fight with yourself. And when you hear the Quran, you, you feel both of those things coming through. You feel the fear and also the hope. And ultimately, the fear of Allah, the purpose is to make you act. It's not for you to despair. There's never the purpose of fear of Allah is for you to start saying that I'm not going to be helped. The, the reason that Allah makes you, want, makes you fear Him and tells you to fear Him is so that you can do the actions of the person that fears Allah. You can actually, it, it, more, it pushes you to do actions because you're scared of the consequences if you don't do them. So that's, the, that's how we balance those two things. Do we have some questions from YouTube? Could some faces be humbled, meaning resigned to their fate? Certainly, linguistically, I don't see a reason. I just, you know, with tafsir, it's important that you have to look and see, did someone say it from the scholars of tafsir? This is really important because, you know, sometimes when you see some of the people who, who do tafsir of the Qur'an in our time, some of the du'at who make tafsir of the Qur'an, the problem is that they bring statements in tafsir that no one from the Salaf said, no one before them said. 
maybe linguistically they work, like linguistically, yes, but they didn't have anyone before them who brought this statement. So uh, I think it's a very valid point. It's a very valid point that what the person said, which is that uh, could the word khashia mean resigned to their fate and they're humbled and humiliated because they know what is going to happen to them. Certainly there's no reason in the language why that can't be true, but one thing you have to do is if you want to give that tafsir, you have to find who said it from the early generations. You have to find where we took that tafsir from, either from the Quran or we took it from the Sunnah or we took it from the Sahaba or we took it from the Tabi'een. That's where we take our, generally speaking, that's where we take our tafsir from, right? We don't take our tafsir from uh, just because linguistically it, may, it works, right? We have to have a, a record for it. So I think it's a very valid point. I just want to see research and look into it. Did someone bring this point before and say that's the meaning of khashia from the early generations? But from a linguistic point of view, I don't see any reason why not. Are we only going to do this just? Wallah, I don't know. It depends how long Allah decrees for, for me to live and how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me the tawfiq to be able to do it. And it depends on a lot of things. But we ask Allah for his tawfiq. I wanted to do, when I started, I wanted to do juz amma and juz tabarak. That was what I wanted to do. We ask Allah for his tawfiq. Mm, this is a very, very good question. And it's a difficult question to answer. The question is, is it the case that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes guides you to a particular ayah and you feel like that ayah is speaking to you? And you feel like you were guided to that ayah. And then you, you know, it just resonates with you. My answer to this, and Allah knows best, is yes, but to an extent. There is a ghulu, an exaggeration some people have in this, which is ajib. Like, for example, if they want to make istikhara, they open the mushaf at any page and they put their finger on a word and whatever word comes up, they take that word, that's what Allah wanted to tell me. But that's not what the questioner meant, inshallah. What the questioner means is uh, that sometimes you read in the Quran and you come across an ayah that just touches you. And you think, wallahi, I, I think this ayah, it has a message in it for me. So there is an exaggeration. Like you see a lot of the, from the Sufiya and others, you see like this kind of behavior. Like you see this kind of like uh, that, you know, this opening the page at a random thing. This is what Allah, or that this, you know, I was, it's like the, the you know, the ayah somehow just lands on your desk or something. But it is true that, that sometimes when you are reading the Qur'an, when you're thinking about something, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides you to a particular ayah that resonates with you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. But don't exaggerate in it. Like don't have people like opening the mushaf and randomly pointing at things and saying this is what, you know, I don't, like somebody said to me once, I, if I don't know what to do, I just open the mushaf and that's ayah, I, that's what Allah guided me to. And this is the ayah. But that's not from the, what the early generations used to do. That's not how the people before us used to be. But there's no doubt that sometimes you're just reading the Qur'an 
or you listening to a lecture and an ayah comes and it just hits you like subhanallah this is I, this is what I need right now that's absolutely true and Allah was best okay that's it any other questions guys before we finish up That's totally true, I totally agree That whenever you read the Quran And you should You should read the Quran That this is Allah is telling me Allah is telling me This Quran is for, is for us And that's why Ibn Abbas And others They mention with regard to When Allah says Ya amanu, Or you who believe Allah is talking to you, listen, because Allah is talking to you now. Allah is telling something to you. This is for you, this is a message for you. So yeah, when you read the Quran, you should read it as, it, as though it is a message to you. This is guidance for you. And that's why Allah described the Quran as hudan wa rahmah lil mu'mineen. It's a guidance and a mercy for the believers. So it's important for you to, when you read the Quran, to have that mentality. Without going though to the extreme of you see things that are not there, like you know, you open the eye about Fir'aun and you say that, oh, you know, now I feel like I'm like, like without the extreme, but in a sensible way, yes, when you open the Quran, you're tadabbur, you're thinking about the Quran and reflecting, you're thinking that this is for me, and what, what am I supposed to learn from this and take from this? That's what Allah made easy for us to mention, and Allah is the general's best. Was salatu was salam ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.